Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we're bringing you a very special edition of the programme. We've convened a stellar panel this week to discuss the urgent challenge of closing the education disadvantage gap here in the UK. The system here fails many young people with the gap in outcomes between the richest and poorest deeply entrenched and, even more worryingly, widening in certain regions. The cost of such structural disadvantage is felt far beyond the school gates, however, because education is so obviously critical, foundational more broadly, in delivering a more equitable and prosperous society. Today, we're going to hear about the problem and what it means. We're meeting some innovators and leaders in the space to hear how they're addressing the challenge. And we're going to learn how collaboration between government, private enterprise, philanthropy and community is critical in driving deep and enduring change. Let's start by introducing those panellists. Gathered today, we have Steve Rotherham, Metro Mayor of the Liverpool City Region, Sarah Payne, UK Head of Social Impact and Philanthropy at UBS, Graham Duncan, the CEO of Right to Succeed, Justin Molyneux, CEO of Involve Northwest and Chair of the Local Steering Group in North Birkenhead, and Steve Morgan, founder of Red Row PLC and founder and chair of the Steve Morgan Foundation, a philanthropist and client of UBS. A warm welcome to you all and thanks for joining us today for this special programme. Graham Duncan of Right to Succeed, let me start with you and ask you to set the scene for us here. Graham, paint a broad picture of the educational disadvantage gap here in the UK. What is it and why does it matter? I think to start to paint the picture, it's best to kind of set out that we as a nation are quite an unjust nation. Um, Your educational performance is the biggest indicator of your future earnings, but as it stands, your parental income is also the biggest indicator of your educational outcomes and therefore your future earnings. So there is this sense of um, a huge disparity between what children from low income backgrounds achieve in their education and therefore the options that are available to them in future versus their peers more nationally. The reason we should really care about this is if we are a nation that's gonna go for growth, we need to maximize our human potential and we are wasting bucket loads of human potential across this country on a daily basis as it stands. There are children, like the children in North Birkenhead, who are displaying through this project quite how much untapped potential they really have and when they are really given an opportunity, how far they can take it. We should talk about a little bit about where this gap between low-income um, community and and the national average is kind of come from. If you're growing up in a low-income household, um, first of all, that is a huge indicator that your parents have had a poor educational experience themselves. So they have less to pass on to the child. There's also the economic issues of living within a low-income household. There's less ability for that household to afford opportunity for their child or their children. And also the work patterns that you find parents having to work within low income communities can mean they are out of the household for huge numbers of hours every day and not there to kind of give the same level of support that any parent would love to be able to give to their child. But there's also then the impact of the stress of being a low income household, the stress of making ends meet, the stress of making sure there's food on the table, etc. If you take a good chunk of people's income away from them in any part of society, it creates a huge amount of undue stress. That starts to drive issues around things like mental health, addiction, abuse, 
and things like family breakdown, mm. marital separations, etc. And these are huge disadvantages for a child to then carry into the school environment. Um, and it's also then very challenging if you're a school serving a low-income community. You are receiving children that are behind national averages in their child development. A child in a low income from a persistently low income background starting primary school starts four months behind expected development. By the end of primary school, they are 12 months behind. By the end of secondary, they are 24 months behind. And that then starts to have a major impact on what the further education and higher education options are for those children and young people and what the future employment options look like. The reason we come together today is to talk about a programme in North Birkenhead and now scaling across the Liverpool City region that is working really hard to address this, realising that actually, if you are going to support children from cradle to career to be successful, to escape a low-income background forever, um, actually, it's about a whole community coming together to work together to transform those children and young people's outcomes. Um, our role at Right to Succeed is to bring those communities together. We're, we're limited to working only in communities in the bottom 10%. We actually only work in communities in the bottom 5%. The community we'll mainly talk about today is North Birkenhead, which finds itself in the bottom half a percent. And these places are amazing. They are amazing communities filled with amazing people um, with a common struggle that they are working against, which is this struggle of being in a low-income community and all the strains that come with that. And the challenges of then getting the children and young people um, the progress that their potential deserves. Well, you mentioned cradle to career there, Graham. And I know we're going to be talking about this initiative throughout this discussion. So before we get into its potentially transformational impact, can you just remind us what it is so that our listeners can understand how the project was devised and what we mean when we use the phrase? Yeah, so... um, Cradle to Career um, in Liverpool City Region started in North Birkenhead. Um, And what Cradle to Career is, is basically um, a community-led approach to changing children and young people's outcomes within that community. It focuses on bringing together kind of three major forces around um, changing uh, children and young people's lives. So first of all, the education system has come together, um, early years, primary, secondary, further education, working together to look at how they improve children's educational outcomes. The primary focus was to transform reading age within the place because reading is the master skill of education, highly predictive of your future out- educational outcomes and your future earnings as well. And at baseline, children were 15 months behind in reading age. Over the first three years of that project, um, they have managed to close that 15 month reading age gap completely. They are now back on national average, which also gives you a sense of how much more potential there is still in those children that they've been able to close that gap so quickly and how much further they could yet go. So that's the education aspect of it. There's then children and family services. Um, the community said they wanted to transform their relationship with community, uh, with children and family services. And Wirral's response to that has been fantastic. They have based a localised team, bringing together all sorts of team members from across social services, family, um, family support, Um, addiction, employment, et cetera, all in one office together at the centre of the community in an amazing community centre. They have completely transformed the relationship with the community, with these services. Uh, Families have gone from barracking the doors to keep the social workers out to referring their friends to social workers because they've got similar issues to the ones that they've been dealing with. As a result, 
the number of children going into the care system has plummeted. 100% of children that have come back from the care system to their families have sustained their place in their family for the long term. And the number of risk factors facing children and young people in that community has dropped dramatically. It's been lauded by Ofsted and the Care Quality Commission as highly effective practice. And then the last major aspect is the community and youth sector within that community. It is full of amazing organisations, people and assets within that community. But it was hard for the community to access, it was hard for the community to understand. So there's now a more collective offer between all the organisations working collectively to provide a, a collective youth offer across the community and the level of engagement and therefore the level of outcomes those children and young people are starting to attain has improved dramatically. And then the really exciting bit is where all those three forces come together, where they look, they bring together the safeguarding needs from the schools, they bring together the multidisciplinary team, they bring together key youth workers, et cetera, to look at the most vulnerable families, which they identify through non-attendance at schools, and then work together to work out what the best combination of support is from across all those various services to get the very best outcomes for those children and families. So that's Cradle to Career in North Birkenhead. Thanks, Graham. Okay, well, next, let's bring in Steve Morgan here. Why are you so passionate about tackling these issues? Uh, I know it speaks to your own experience and uh, issues that are really personal to you, but give us a little bit of your background, why you're so invested, literally and metaphorically, in in addressing some of these challenges. You probably have to go back to uh, 2001 when just the time I, I've, I've actually left Red Row for the first time I left twice actually but uh, I left Red Row for the first time and wanted to put something back in society I'd done a lot of work for charity but never through my own foundation uh, and, and why did I want to do that well I've been very successful uh, I built up a probably the best house builder in the country um, a lad from Garston who grew up in an area not too dissimilar to North Birkenhead and to everything that Graham described um, summed up the area and the the times that I grew up at, except when I was growing up in the sort of late 50s and 60s, it was was not long um, post the war, you know, it was only sort of 10 to 15 years post the war. And so there's a a lot of dereliction, a lot of bomb damage or, or everywhere you went in Liverpool in those days. Um, so it, it, I recognise everything that, that Graham said. Um, and having grown that, I, I, having grown up in that environment, um, having and then going on to, to be lucky and successful, um, I wanted to give something back and hence I started the foundation. And since then, um, I always said that you know our emphasis is always going to be in the areas that I grew up in. Now, I grew up in Liverpool, moved to North Wales uh, when I was a kid, and I now live in Cheshire. So that's that is the centre of our foundation. Although we do do a lot of national and indeed international things as well, but that's the, that's the heart of our foundation. Um, and we all, I, I want to put something back because. I was lucky I had very good parents um, and my dad worked hard and and, and managed to uh, get promotions and start his own business when when I was a sort of mid-teenager. So um, I, I, I managed to come away from um, that sort of social background. But nevertheless, for, for 13, 14 years, that was the area I grew up in. So uh, um, 
and I wanted to try and help others on the way. Um, and we've we've supported literally thousands of charities uh, and and helped millions of people over Merseyside. But sometimes, you know, when we when we were looking at these things, um, we put money here to support this charity, money to support that charity. But we wanted to be a bit more proactive, and and hence that's why we 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 decided to have a real crack at looking at an initiative that tackled things at the root. And hence, we 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 pulled together a roundtable meeting, and um, uh, right to succeed and shine uh, came along to that meeting, and we we literally talked it talked it through, and and decided how can we get to the community. We then invited Wirral Borough Council, who have been a fantastic partner in this, um, and it, you know through through brainstorming sessions, we then came up with the idea of the Cradle to Career project and how to tackle something in a very different way than it's ever been tackled before. Um, and Graham, Graham and his team have been a fantastic delivery partner. Um, I think the results speak for themselves. I'll probably let Justine talk about the results, but uh, um, you know, the, we inherited a, a, a situation educationally, um, one of the worst not only in the country but in Europe in terms of the, the reference point to national average and I'm delighted to say the the the, the change in, has been like phenomenal over the period that we're into our fourth year there but it, it feels like less than four years because Covid sort of knocked a real hole into uh, into what we were doing but um, you know thanks to the team and 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 I think the point that Graham made thanks to the community themselves because there are fantastic people in those communities, as there are in all similar such communities. Like growing up in 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 Garston and in Toxteth, um, they're tough areas, but there were some lovely people there. And they they just need they need showing the right way and and enabling them. I, I putting putting some putting some backing into them, which is something you know, the lack of confidence in these areas and that people have is is phenomenal. But giving them the confidence to do things and to and to show them, help them on the way to doing things will will bring fantastic results, as I think we've shown in North Birkenhead, and you know now with the partnership with with Steve and the uh, Liverpool City region um, is is to be rolled out. So um, so yeah, that's why um, I uh, decided to to um, put something back, if you like, because I grew up in those areas. Um, I managed to make a hugely successful business, but I think it's incumbent of anybody who is successful to um, to just remember where you came from. And you know, I remember the the lessons on the streets of Garston and Toxteth, um, like yesterday, tough areas, and uh, it's 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 actually done me no harm um, and and shaped me up. But I, I I do want to to try and help. The young people, in particular, those areas, to try and um, have the confidence to do something for themselves and to, and for their communities, and to and to and to, and to build it up, and don't accept that uh, where where they've come from is anything. There's anything wrong with that? They can actually achieve things uh, beyond their recognition in many cases, and and I think that we're on the way to doing that with Cradle to Career. Justine, let me bring you in here because. I think it's important to get 
you know, a bit of that local colour to understand both the nature of the challenges, which we've heard about somewhat in the abstract, what that really looks like on the ground. And then I, I think Steve made this point that you could tell us more about the results and what it really means, because we're not talking about people on a graph or people who in a, in a, in a document. This is children and young people who whose lives are being changed. Tell us a bit about what you see day to day. So I'm Justine Molyneux. I'm CEO of a charity called Involved Northwest, and I'm chair of the steering group for North Birkenhead. As, as Steve and Graham have, have painted, North Birkenhead is an amazing place. It has some amazing people, but it also has some quite challenging um, areas that we need to work with. So North Birkenhead has high deprivation, it has high unemployment. It's also suffering the cost of living crisis at the moment. And if we just look at some of the statistics for people, like we've got women um, have the sixth lowest life expectancy. We've got men's life expectancy, which is 10 years less than other affluent areas on Wirral. So the starting point for Cradle to Korea was always going to be a challenge to, to how do we bring communities together to address need, to, to help make that change, to get them on board with a project like this. And I think the methodology of working with communities rather than for and doing to communities has really made a huge, massive difference to, to helping shape this project three years down the line. And if we look at some of the, uh, you know, the, the collective impact changes, so in the past three years on the educational programmes, we've seen a significant increase in reading ability, which means that our children in North Birkenhead now meet a national average when they didn't before the project three years ago. If we look at children that have special educational needs, as an example, the gap has narrowed for those pupils and they are now performing more closely with pupils that have non-special educational needs. We've had a 42% increase in the number of high ability readers, and we've had a 5% decrease in those with the highest reading support needs. That Those figures would not have happened without an intervention like Cradle to Korea. Um, and there are so many statistics that, that we could use, but I've just picked on those as some of the, the highlighting areas. And for our schools, so our primary and our secondary schools, 100% of those schools have engaged and made some level of progress. So supporting our children, impacts not only their education, but it offers them well-being developments. It offers them wider potential for job opportunities in the future. It gives them opportunities that would not have been possible without this early, early intervention and working with the schools in such a collective way to help them develop the children and young people in North Birkenhead. I've spent 20 years in the charity sector and for so many years, communities have had everything done to them or been told what they need in their own community. The difference with Cradle to Career is it kind of turns that on its head. So it, it gives the power to communities. It gives the power to the people who live in those communities and know what needs to change. They know what they need and what they want and what will actually make that change. And, and we've mentioned the backbone team about them being embedded in the past three years within that community. So you've built a level of trust um, and, and the children and young people's um, achievements ha have absolutely been down to that. For North Birkenhead, the feeling from communities and from families is they are they are on this journey with Right to Succeed on the Cradle to Career programme. They are the, the driving force within this programme rather than a secondary partner on, in this relationship. And as Graham's just said, it's we have a social work team, we have a multidisciplinary team based within that within the locality. And what's unheard of is that families who have previously potentially had children removed or are on that 
that agenda to have their children removed are now actively engaging with a social worker that they're going in to speak to a social worker which which is which is completely unheard of before um if we look at other examples where the communities have been heavily involved it's been around how funding is used within their community and um, i chaired a, a collaboration meeting around funding with uh, statutory partners and three residents from the local area who felt it wasn't their position to make a decision around where you know thirty thousand pounds is going to be spent in their area but after working with the residents for a while it was about actually no we don't we as professionals don't live in your area this is about how you want this money spent how you can actually see a difference to your children into your community and what that will mean for you and it was phenomenal to see the change by, by the end of that process as to to how engaged those residents were and the, those families were within that community and really wanting to lead on that change and i think if we look at children in schools if we just pick up on the reading level i've been into some of the local primaries and to actually see the children engaged into wanting to read when they actually were so behind before that, that the thought of picking up a reading book or being in a reading lesson was actually a really scary pro, pro, scary process now they're they're so engaged their their reading level is amazing which actually which has a major knock-on effect to everything else within their lives i think the community also and the families have taken pride in their community again i think they they, they were quite apathetic around what was this program going to do but actually seeing believing and being involved in those results has really put that that pride and, and that feeling of change well thanks justina some amazing detail there about the impact of the scheme already let me bring uh sarah uh sarah Payne in here um talk to me a bit about sarah because it might surprise some people perhaps to see you know, the, the world's biggest uh, truly global wealth manager piling in to address uh, the uh, the education disadvantage gap uh, in some of these markets. But actually, it absolutely fits with the kind of values that, that you and your colleagues are, are passionate about. Remind us why that is. The way that the UBS Optimus Foundation works is in partnership with our clients. I speak to UBS's clients about philanthropy every day. We know that philanthropy is an issue that's really important to our clients. We know that many of our clients want to make an impact with their wealth. I don't think you could have actually heard that better articulated than Steve put it this morning. Philanthropy is a really tangible way for people to have an impact with their wealth. We also know that education is a really powerful arguably the most powerful tool for lifting people out of poverty. And it's also critical to addressing a whole host of other social and environmental issues. Um, And again, coming back to what Steve said, many of our clients really understand the benefits of access to quality education. It's an issue that concerns them deeply, and it's also an issue that we're really well placed to help them address. Education is a focus area for the UBS Optimus Foundation globally and in the UK. Um, And it's a topic that we've been working to help address as a UK business for around 30 years. And we're now launching a UBS Optimus Foundation portfolio of organisations that collectively is focused in on closing the UK's educational disadvantage gap so that we can support and work alongside our clients in helping to address this issue. Well, yeah, and this is a key point, isn't it? Because we talk about impact. Indeed, sometimes that uh, word is banded around a little too freely, maybe, uh, certainly in, in the investment landscape. And I guess that's one of the key uh, 
qualities, properties, uh, sort of un- a thing that can unlock potential. One of the things that UBS can do is help clients to understand and calibrate impact because it's not just a word. It's not a piece of rhetoric. UBS can help to actually help clients to understand what that is and then really deliver it in a in a tangible way. I mean, that's such an advantage that an institution of UBS's scale has, right? Absolutely. And I think impact is, if you like, the silver thread that runs through what we do globally and helping our clients to understand what impact means and how long-term impact can be achieved is really critical within philanthropy, within impact investing and within the financial services sector generally. We have around 26 programme directors whose job it is, is to scour the landscape for impactful and innovative solutions to some really thorny social and environmental issues. And we have around 370 partnerships that we manage globally through the UBS Optimus Foundation, all of which have been scrutinised and vetted for impact by our programme directors. Our UK education portfolio currently contains around 14 organisations that collectively are all working in different and innovative and effective ways to help close the disadvantage gap in the UK. And that includes Right to Succeed, who we think are doing really impactful work through place-based change. Um, well, let me uh, bring uh, Mayor Rotherham in here. Steve Rotherham, thanks for uh, being part of our, our discussion today. And I guess, you know, one thing that runs through the remarks we've heard so far from all of our brilliant panellists is how innovative, how unusual this approach is and how it's delivered uh, gains and, and quickly. And I guess a big part of that must be because an opportunity has been unlocked here by the devolution of powers. We talked about often central government being disconnected from uh, from communities. Really, really important to empower local authorities. You're obviously the Metro Mayor of Liverpool City Region, so you understand this as well or better than anybody. But but that, that, that devolutionary process is, is critically important, I guess. I think, first of all, we're lucky, aren't we? Because we've got people like Steve Morgan, who's provided the philanthropic support to areas like ours, and, and that's driven this approach. But look, a, a monolith in Whitehall and Westminster cannot possibly be nimble enough to respond to the needs in areas like North Birkenhead, or it has to be said, even in an area like the Liverpool City region, which is six local authorities and 1.6 million people. Um, so we've been fortunate and, you know, that's why... We've been really grateful to the likes of, of Willow Council and, and certainly the officers there who've gone above and beyond. But all of the partners who are sitting around this virtual table today, you know, Steve's Foundation, Shine, Right to Succeed, uh, UBS, and of course the steering group as well. But most importantly, I think we're all collectively um, more proud of the people in North Birkenhead who it's they themselves who have embraced this project uh, and its success is uh, the reason why we've decided to invest ourselves as a combined authority in rolling this out to other areas in the Liverpool City region. And that's because we have devolution. Um, we can do things for ourselves. We can make decisions based more locally and we can look at innovative approaches and then test whether that's a better use of the limited funding that we get from national government but it has given us devolution it's given us the opportunity 
to address some of the fundamental systemic problems that exacerbate often the inequality in this country. But we have to say it's not a magic wand, you know. I mean, it, we can't do this in every single neighbourhood. And that's why it's so important that we see the success of it, because what I want to do is have that evidence to lobby a future national government, perhaps of a different political persuasion, about how we can do things differently and get a bigger bang for the book. But we need a completely different focus from central government to see sustainable improvements in those life chances, um, especially in low-income communities like we're discussing. And we all know that there is a postcode lottery. I know it's a cliche, but it does exist in the UK. You know, where you are born often dictates the type of job that you'll end up being employed in. It'll certainly dictate your bank balance or your debt and that you, you carry. It'll affect the years that you have of healthy life. We keep on talking about life expectancy, and that's a terrible thing. But far too many people actually are living shorter lives, but less healthy than other people. And of course, it, it'll affect things like the disabilities and the health conditions that you're likely to develop in, in life. So for me, these imbalances that are inherent in this country need to be sorted out. And, and we're doing our bit to ensure that in our area, we can do that for as many people as is possible to do that for. But statistical evidence will show you that the problems that we are trying to tackle have been exacerbated over the last 14 years because of government austerity. You know, we need many years of a positive government intervention to start to see that downward trend being corrected. But just so I can conclude on, on that last little bit, because I, I think this is really simple. I believe, and the people around the table believe, that every child should be given the best possible opportunity to reach their full potential. And that's why I think Cradle to Career has been so impressive with the results of the initiative. And that's why, with the collaboration of the people around the table and with other local authorities, we're going to roll this out. And it's because we have devolution and we can do that ourselves. Well, yeah, and that's what I wanted to ask you about next, actually, Steve, which was the long-termism. It's so frustrating to see short-termism. We can understand politically why why that happens if people are on a four-year, five-year cycle. Why make the huge investment in things which are generationally transformational? And to that point, with what facility can you incorporate the learnings? We talk about, say, North Birkenhead specifically, and make sure that's integrated into your bigger picture plans for education across the whole metro region. And indeed, you know, look, we've got listeners all around the world. If someone's listening in, in, I don't know, they might be in Chicago or in Sydney or wherever they might be. Are there sort of fundamental principles here, which actually could, should need with some urgency to be rolled out and engaged with, with more broadly, which are about transforming life chances for communities? Well, I think in some ways, the last comment answers the question, it is about transforming the life opportunities of people in the type of um, neighbourhoods that we're talking about. Uh, and there are, there are plenty of those, not just in the Liverpool city region, but right the way across the country. And they deserve a Steve Morgan, you know, they deserve the the sort of the team that's being put together in North Birkenhead. But I can't affect that. I can only do what we can do to ensure that as many people as possible 
benefit from this initiative across our city region and that's what we're currently trying to do with rolling this out to to other communities but look look it's about choices and priorities isn't it and for me to give people that best start is uh, a very very simple decision at a national government level you know somebody there could decide that the investments that we saw in the likes of uh, sure start under uh, the labor government for instance where it was unlikely that unless that government stayed in power for decades they would see all of the positive results of that investment and that short-termism that we currently have is exactly the problem that we need to tackle so i'm not desperate that we will see the results that we'd like to see maintained over a longer period in the next few years because we're investing knowing that if we give somebody a, a a stable start in life it's likely to be much further down the track that those improvements will be um, realized so it's not about the short-term aspect of what we have in this country which is you know a, a cycle of of decisions that are political rather than strategic it's about trying to do the right thing and that's where we're seeing the uh, the huge benefits of of what we're doing by the way together with a lot of other things because this dovetails to the whole ethos of what we're trying to achieve which is to improve people's life chances well, yeah, and that kind of broader buy-in is really interesting. And Sarah Payne, actually, if I come back to you, this speaks to what you were talking about before, which is sort of joining the dots between intentionality, resource, and being a bit easier about looking at solutions which involve public, private, third sector, all sorts of different stakeholders. It's sort of implicit in what Mayor Rotherham was saying there, that there are some brilliant initiatives. We're seeing real change. Justine told us about change on the ground but there's so much more to be done is one of the key things sarah to integrate philanthropic giving impact investing being more smart and innovative about how we integrate that with these other things and bringing the other stakeholders along be they central local government private sector etc is, is part of the challenge unifying and directing all of that intention into a positive place Yes, I think it is. If you come back to what Steve said right at the beginning of the programme and the way in which philanthropy can really play a role, it's about helping to create those conditions for change to come about. You referenced short-termism, and we all know that's an issue uh, within financial markets, it's an issue within political contexts, and it's an area where philanthropy really can be distinctly different by being patient and by providing that sustained commitment, that long-term time horizon. We also know that these issues are complex and entrenched for a reason. Globally, there's an annual funding gap of around $3.7 trillion to reach the Sustainable Development Goals by 2030. And however well-intentioned and frankly, however well-resourced, no single philanthropist, no single organisation, no single government even is going to solve these issues alone. They have to be solved collaboratively and they have to be solved through the kind of collective impact approach that is being taken here. It's why we at UBS are supporting it. It's why we're shining a light on it. We think the people on this call today have genuinely been bold, genuinely been innovative and taken a long term and a humble approach. And 
it's why we want to give organisations like Right to Succeed a place in our portfolios, because ultimately it's an approach that's going to work over the long term and, and to give young people the chances that they deserve. Sarah, thank you. It's been incredible to hear about the successes and to have such uh, clarity of vision about what needs to happen next to continue to drive change at at this pace and change people's lives. The assembled group, uh, or the remainder of it, look, you guys are your change makers, innovators, your people who are very engaged, very focused. But we know, and we've talked about there being so many gaps. It would just be nice to get a quick reflection. Are you optimistic? And Steve Morgan, let me talk, you spoke so sort of beautifully about the start of your journey, you know, as a kid growing up and this passion you had to give back. Are you optimistic that the kinds of initiatives we've talked about, the trackable change that you've already seen, that you've helped to facilitate, are you optimistic that we can get to where we need to get to soon enough? Yeah, I am actually. As Graham and Justine have pointed out, we've made fantastic progress over the period of time. I think we'd have done even better if it hadn't been for covid which came literally COVID came just a few months after we'd started the initiative. So it, uh, we didn't get going properly until 2020, 2021. So I think the achievements thus far looks, looks really encouraging for the future. And it'd be very interesting to see how we get on rolling it out around, around uh, Merseyside around the Liverpool city region. But I must come back to a point that Steve Rotherham made about short-termism, because unfortunately, finances and and politics can be very, very short-term. I mean, the Steve Morgan Foundation is is here to stay and uh, uh, will play our part in Merseyside, but we can't do everything because the more it expands, even we, we're going to run out of ammo and UBS have come in and and been a great partner and, and helped out. But, you know, there's only so much we can do. The The devolution that Steve was speaking about, I, I completely share that view that too much is done from Westminster and it needs more needs to be devolved out to the regions. And with that, I think we can make a big difference. And I can see this, this uh, um, Cradle to Career initiative, if it's su- successful, and I've no reason to doubt that it will be, in the Liverpool city region being copied by all over the country because it's a it's a system that works. Steve, thank you. Sarah Payne, just to come back to you, we've talked a lot and heard some amazing local colour from, from North Birkenhead and the wider Liverpool metro region. But let me ask you a little bit about the rollout ability and how relevant this discussion is to communities all across the UK and indeed further afield. I guess one of the really powerful things we've heard about today is this transformational power needn't be limited just to one geography or one community. It's probably something that can have a major impact almost wherever you look. I couldn't agree with that more strongly. We are passionate about well-designed place-based change because we know that it works. And a really key, a really important feature of that is looking at the community that you're seeking to support as an asset, as as experts in the solutions that are needed to the issues that they're facing, being a key part in designing those solutions that you're seeking to drive. But the issues facing the community in North Birkenhead, sadly, are not unique to that community. There are communities like this all over the UK and globally. And place-based change can be a really effective mechanism for empowering the community, giving the community the agency that you heard Graham describe earlier in this conversation, in bringing about that change for themselves. Because 
ultimately that is what will lead to long-term sustainable solutions. And those kind of partnerships, collaborative working, a collective impact approach really are the key to driving all of this. And, and that's why we support collective impact through the UBS Optimats Foundation. And it's why we're launching a collective portfolio that's focused on tackling educational disadvantage in the UK, because we know this is important. We know this is important to our clients and we know it's also important to us as a bank. I think another thing it's really important to say, though, I think I worry slightly about the term place-based change because it is starting to gain a lot of attention. Um, a number of different countries, a number of different stakeholders are really starting to take an interest in place-based change and, and rightly so because it can be completely transformative. I think what Right to Succeed, Liverpool City Region, the local councils, the Steve Morgan Foundation have, have achieved... Um, should really be applauded. It's having a profound impact on, on life chances for young people. But the concern I have is that when something starts to get a lot of attention, it is, it's seen as doing well, and a term like place-based change starts to be used, there's also a risk, a risk that things that aren't quite place-based change might start to describe themselves in that way. So I think it's really important to understand what properly designed place-based change entails. It's not easy. It takes time. It takes resource. And I think most critically, it requires a willingness to, to think and to do things differently. And I think that's where philanthropy can come in and help provide that space for the, the creativity to, for things to happen differently so I am a huge fan of place-based change and I'm really, really pleased that we're able to talk about it today and to shine a light on what properly designed place-based change looks like. And I think that's one of the roles I think an organisation like UBS can play is really highlighting things that we think are innovative and are effectful and are impactful and really giving people that platform so that others can learn about them as well. Sarah Payne, thank you so much. That brings us to the end of this special edition of the programme. You can listen again and explore more at monocle.com. You can also follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, you can discover more and find out how UBS can help you at ubs.com. While you're there, search Philanthropy Services or write to Sarah Payne on sarah.payne at ubs.com to connect with the team. It's stevemorganfoundation.org.uk for more about Steve's impact through philanthropy. Read more about Graham's organisation at righttosucceed.org.uk. You can get in touch with Justine and her team at involvenorthwest.org.uk. Search Cradle to Career to discover more about that programme. And look up liverpoolcityregion-ca.gov.uk for more about Mayor Steve Rotherham and the area and people he represents. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening. Listening.